God, I'm sweating already. It's so hot. Here we go. One, two, one, two, three. Hey, welcome to Fields of Work. I'm Sam. And I'm Max. <laughs> Dude, you did What's not that? meet my energy on that. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> we're gonna go into that. We'll talk about it. So it's, it's a weekend, Sam. I'm trying to recover. That was um, that was good. That was some good comedy right there. Some good inadvertent sorry. comedy. Uh, Max. Uh, well, hey everyone. Uh, this is Fields of Work. It was a podcast about brothers and work and stuff. Uh, hey, this is I'm Sam. That's Max. And well, we're gonna talk about work. Maybe I don't about. know. After we talk about, uh, well, one we haven't talked in forever, so it's too it's too much to talk about. It's overwhelming. That's so true. we're gonna start with the basics, and that is, what are you reading right now? Oh, oh it's is a good our, question for you. Is this our check-in round? We're checking in, and okay. this is a good question for you because I feel like you you've got some reading time on your hands, which we'll we'll go into later. I assume you're just a reading fiend right now. I'm a bit but, of a reading fiend right now. Yeah. Well, what are you reading currently? Well, I literally just. 15 minutes ago, finished The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Murakami. Mm. That's uh, one of the few read by him, yeah. You've read that? That's the one. I think that's the only Murakami I've read. Okay. Yeah, I, I basically started reading... I started reading it a couple days ago, but today I got up around 7.30, and that's basically all I've done today. It is now 1.30. So nice. uh, finished it in a good sprint. You know, you know when you're reading a book, and you like just really get into it and you kind of lose mm. track of time and you really just feel like this is the only thing I need to do right now and you just let you like really get sucked into the world that's yeah. that's what I just did today he does a pretty good job of doing that I haven't had that feeling from a book in a little while I feel like I've not had a day where I just like full on jump you know hundreds of pages of a, of a single novel usually it, it requires um like a really good fantasy or sci-fi book I feel like for me Sure. Uh, to kind of get to kind of get lost in it, and I haven't read any of that in a while. So, do you uh, remember what you thought about thing. the book? I I liked it. I, it was yeah. my first introduction into what he's called. It is what magical realism yeah, is that what his genre is? Yep. Um. So I was definitely points where I was like, "Is this fake? Is this thing supposed to be? Am I supposed to take this as real? Is this a metaphor? Right. Is this a weird magical thing happening?" Where there was a lot of times where. I just felt like I wasn't exactly sure what was going on, which is part of, I think, his thing. Yeah, by, um, by design. All yeah. of, I mean, I've read three of his books, I think, at this point, and they all have kind of this feeling of the blurring of reality and fiction mm -hmm. and, like, what is actually real, what is not. Is this, a, like, a fairy tale or what is going on? Um, I like it. I don't know... Like, I, I think I need long breaks in between Murakami books to, like, reset yeah. my psyche. Uh, but I'm excited to, to read some of his other ones. What are the other two you've read? Yeah. Uh, what's that one called? Like, 1Q84? I think it's, it's IQ84, isn't it? Or is it 1? No, it's 1Q84 one, it's one it one. because okay. it's, like, a stand-in for a year, sort of. Gotcha. Um, I read that, and I have read uh, – well, I, re I read his memoir, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running, which is like, gotcha. really, really good. And then I want to – what is – I'm looking at the list here. It's Killing Commentadore, I think, and I'm not entirely sure how to say that word. Yeah, Killing Commendatore. Commendator? Commendatory? I don't know. Um, Keep going. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first one uh, I read, and it – it was really good. It looks like I gave it four stars in Goodreads, which is um, That's rare. Good for you. I gave what I talk about when I talk about running five stars, and then the other two I gave four. Uh, what about you, though, Max? What have you been reading? Oh, the other thing I recently reread for the first time in over ten years was Stephen King's memoir on writing. Uh, so a colleague good. gave it to me during uh, our retreat a couple weeks ago, and I decided to reread it, and it was good, just as good as I remember it being. Yeah, I've I've actually read that one and and really loved it. And I'm not even much of a writer, but I just felt like I was I like when writers pull back the curtain, but in yep. a way that's also very very like humble in a way. Like he puts him, you know, he's not putting himself much on a pedestal, I feel like in that no. book and definitely shows some parts of him that are pretty dark and yep. not grading not great writing habits and things like that. Um that's definitely one. I own that one, I think. So I think I'll definitely return and reread that one. And that's probably cool. a good book for you to read going into your uh, sabbatical here maybe too yeah in theory uh in theory <laughs> um i'm reading what am i reading i read a book called uh i think it's called from dirt to from dirt to soil or something like that 
um, which is a farming heavy book that's all about uh, no-till, specifically using livestock kind of in the no-till regenerative agriculture world. Mm. But there was a lot of value in it for me, even though I'm more of a, you know, this guy's ranch is thousands of acres and I will be working with my half acre farm. But there are principles that apply on both scales. Um, was there a so chapter about read. mean about having a mean goose? You know, he didn't once really get into geese, which maybe that's proof that you shouldn't have a goose on a regenerative agriculture farm. This maybe. guy's not doing it. Or maybe you're just yeah, you're just an innovator, cutting edge. I'm on, yep. I'm on the forefront of regenerative agriculture. Yep. Um, I don't think there's much a goose can do to provide uh, anything that a, a chicken or other type well, of livestock couldn't. I think a goose's couldn't. primary contribution to a farm is is vibe related. Yeah. Did you pick up on? Oh, we'll, we'll tell you. Tell us if you picked up on the vibe when you're. Uh, I mean, your goose um, was definitely putting off some sort of vibe. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's welcoming at all. No, um, no, it's not a welcoming vibe. It's a, um, it's a hostile and aggressive vibe. Okay. Which is still, which albeit is still a vibe. Yep. <laughs> yep. Everyone does comment. The goose garners more response from people that visit the farm than anybody else, including everyone. You. Always, everyone. Yeah, everyone has a comment on the goose. Mostly his hairdo. A lot of love or hate for his little hairdo. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I read that farming book. Um, and then I'm in the in the process of reading uh, Walden by Thoreau, um, which nice. I'm kind of reading in little bits and pieces uh, in a, a weekly book club with one of my friends through Zoom where we kind of – I haven't done like a book club in forever, probably since Battle of the Books, which, man, have we talked about that? Battle of the before? Books, man. Because we need to talk about that someday. I talked uh, to Emily about it, and I remember she like thought it was just kind of like a whole like a wild idea. It's the best idea. Yeah. It's it's a heavy trivia, but just on books and team based, and it's like it's like competition for nerds. It's so great. Mom was like the Scotty Bowman of she was of <laughs> of coaching battle of the books teams. Yeah, she should have got some trophies for sure. There should be a Hall of Fame. Yeah, her her um, number should be hanging from the rafters for sure. <laughs> At least, oh, at our middle school, over yep. at the middle school, it should be hanging Tita Sperlin. Um, but we'll have to talk about Battle of the Books someday when we don't have a ton of other stuff to talk about. But uh, anyways, this is the first time I feel like I've really like sat down to talk about a book uh, in a non-English uh, class setting um, in a long time. And I like it. I think it's with certain books it really helps. And I would say Walden is one of those books because it's uh, dense and heavy and he writes – he's a transcendentalist you know, author. So there's some – um, writing style that can be hard to parse at times. Some flowery huge, language. Some flowery, but really lots of uh, run-on sentences. You know, half a page could be one sentence with interjections with, you know, commas and all these things. You could remove 60 words per page and have it still make just as much sense. Yeah, but then what, that's um, no fun. The thing I remember about that book, being surprised about when I recently reread it, is it, is it True, if I remember correctly, like early, like the first part of the book is a lot of like him just going over how much things cost. Uh, there is I, definitely that, yeah. And like the economics of it all and like what you have to give up in terms of like hours worked to have nicer stuff. And I guess mm-hmm. I, it was like, a, it's not, that's not what I think people generally think about when they think about that book. It's the whole like going into the woods and living deliberately thing. But I yeah. appreciated that kind of like very economics uh, approach to making that case early on. Yeah, the whole first 90 page chapter is called e- Economy. And he does get into a little bit of like his beliefs and stuff of why he's doing it. But there are some straight up pages where he lists his building supplies and what it costs to build his cabin and how he's going about to rent his property and how much he can make from selling the beans and stuff that he grows. And um, it definitely has a weird weird juxtaposition to then you go to a chapter all about solitude or something and he's writing very flowy and, um, you know, very philosophically about about being out in the woods. But it's a cool balance. I'm, I'm enjoying it, I think. We'll probably wrap it up here in the next couple of weeks, and then I'll have a, a final opinion on the whole thing. But cool. um, but it's good. I'm liking it. All right. Checked well, in. Are we checked in? From I'm as checked in as I'm going to be. Me too. All right. So what the heck's been going on? Do you have any mini topics for us? It's been a while since we've uh, chatted. Yeah. I feel like um, it's not specifically farm-related. I should just list off that I've been uh, hosting people um, for the past – 12, 14 days. I've had, I think I've had a visitor to some extent for the past two weeks almost. Um, starting with you, you came yeah. and visited for a short stint uh, for a day. We went, to, we went out to dinner. We ate some 
some top-notch food. Yeah, it was pretty good, um, wasn't it? What was the name of the we had, uh, Lachlan table in East Nashville? Yeah. Yeah, we had ourselves – what I'm going to go ahead and say was a primal meal, Sam. It was mainly, a primal meal. Mainly anytime you dig into some bone marrow to start it off, yeah. you feel like you're kind of a caveman. And that was the first um, time you'd had bone marrow, right? Yeah, that was a, that was my introduction to – Did you like to, it? Uh, I did. It's yeah. the most rich thing I've ever eaten, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I can't really think of a good. better word to describe the flavor of that. Like we tried it's to say the fat. Unctuous. Yeah, it's 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 a very full flavor, uh, but it was good. It was really good. I had um, I had a pizza that I watched them make from we sat at the pizza bar, and there was octopus mm-hmm. on my pizza, which was pretty cool. And only later on did I think like, wow, you know this ta- this restaurant's really known for their like local sourcing. Um, yeah, can't imagine that octopus was particularly local in East <laughs> Nashville. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I think their their whole idea is a little farm to table esque. Um, and you said, well, no, maybe there's, like, maybe I'm... there's Tennessee based octopus farms. You've met any octopus maybe. farmers? Ah, uh, not yet. I have not yet, but I should, I'll keep my ears open and listen around and see if anyone recommends a good octopus farm. Um, yeah, I dug in, I just had a steak. I had myself a, a big steak and which was sitting upon a mountain. I think you so many green beans. Yeah. It was a good sized hill of green beans. They were <laughs> trying so hard to get rid of green beans, which I understand because green beans are the worst vegetable. Which we've talked about this, and I'm kind of there with you. But the, all I could think about was the poor, poor soul that picked those green beans because I know how much it sucks to pick green beans. So I'm yeah. like, where's the – how do they have so many of them? They should just how cook them grandma so style because I had green beans the following yeah. day. We went to grandma and grandpa's, and I ate the crap out of those green beans. Yeah. What's the key to that, Sam? Oh, shit ton of bacon. <laughs> yeah, meat, salty, <laughs> slow cooked for a long time. They become almost mush, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so oh, and anyways, sugar, too. There's some sugar. Oh, yeah, there's in there. a, there's some dash of sugar in there as well, um, and then we had we had a pretty awesome uh, cobbler, whatever that was, for dessert. Oh, it was it was it was two cobbler. It was peach and blueberry, I think. It was peach blueberry cobbler oh, together. Which is so good, very good. Um, a little French press coffee. It was a it was a very very nice. And we meal. sat there and we watched a hockey game on my phone. Yeah, and I I eventually essentially sweated through the entire dinner because that that pizza oven was basically just exhausting <laughs> all you. of the heat right into my face. Um, but it was nice. It was nice to go back to a restaurant and uh, and eat somewhere in Nashville that I haven't been yet. Um, well, when when we lock in, when I'm going to come back and actually we'll go work big. for a week, we're going to do at least one reservation at Husk. Uh, yeah, and then maybe somewhere else too. That'd be good. I think that'd be fun to talk about in the podcast because yeah. if it's like everything I've seen before, it's a very good tie-in to uh, to, to local farming. Well, specifically maybe maybe Southern they need farm. a supplier. I know. I could. I mean, I don't know what. Uh, I, we'll talk about this. We've been making some restaurant connections, but it's still it's a, a world that I don't know if I'm fully prepared I think to what dive you have into. To, I think what you have to do is just bring your most aesthetically pleasing cucumber. And like, mm-hmm. there's like a ritual of like giving them it, and then if they think it's high enough quality, then you get to be a supplier. I think I we both that's how it works. <laughs> we both bow, yeah, and they cu- they cut it open right there, and we each take a piece together and try yeah. it. Yep. Um. Yeah, that sounds very Stardew Valley. That sounds very like uh <laughs> like I I gave you a cucumber, I gave you my nicest cucumber, <laughs> and now we are in love. And now we're in love. Um. <laughs> All right. So, so I came and visited, and then that was only for like two days. So who yeah, else we went had? up to. Well, and we went to Grandma and Grandpa's up in Kentucky where we yeah. met Joe and Christina and Toby and hung out with our grandparents oh, on Saturday. Toby, Toby and the Toby. country docks. Yeah. And um, then you left on Sunday. And then that next that whole next week, Joe and Christina and Toby were here. They were working remotely um, from the tiny house. The Wi-Fi did it for those that wow. were concerned that the Wi-Fi wouldn't be able to host uh, two people working on it. Um, so they were here for the week. Uh, we did. We went out to Nashville I uh, went to a couple different places. We ate at this like famous like 1950s diner place that's right over on Highway 100 oh, called love, the Loveless Cafe. I love diners. Uh, it was good. It was good food. Um, and then we went out to downtown Nashville. We went to Sky King as well. Got the classic. You know, I had to go to my pizza spot. Um, and then we spent an afternoon on Friday uh, before the fourth in downtown Nashville. Um, and then they left to go visit uh aunts and aunt and uncle in east tennessee and the same day they left uh three of my friends miles alex and jimmy came in to stay for the fourth uh through till monday um so they were here not a long time but um did a lot of swimming in the pool and we went down to nashville for the fourth we spent the morning down there um basically just hung out around the property and then uh mom and dad stopped by with joan and arthur um they were doing a southern road trip 
and they were I was the pit stop between Aunt Nancy and Grandma and Grandpa. So I showed Arthur and Joan around the farm. How did uh, they did they like house. it? Uh, the main comment was that it was hot. It was really hot outside. <laughs> so it's true. That was the number one thing we had to deal with. Um, we played mainly what we did was we played a little Overcooked. Uh, for those way. that have ever played Overcooked, playing with a five year old is um, overwhelming, <laughs> and as if the game wasn't already overwhelming it's enough. Like, it's like playing it on an even harder mode. It is because it really is. You're playing two person, but you're really playing one person, and sometimes that one person picks up the plate and jumps into a pit. <laughs> and and then you're left with you know you were almost ready to turn a hamburger in and now it's gone, um, but she put out all the fires. She loved the fire extinguisher in that game. So yeah. <laughs> they were here just for an afternoon, and then actually out of nowhere yesterday, um, uh, Uncle Joe and Colin were in Nashville doing a job. Um, they live in East Tennessee, and they ca- they came by the farm to see the tiny house and the property. So it was just like a nonstop whirlwind of people, which was great that I never had to leave the property and I got to see so many people. But yeah. I definitely am pretty exhausted from it all. Um, hosting people is exhausting, and you know, you just—I do a lot of sitting around after work normally, but it's <laughs> <laughs> just like catching my breath. Right. And um, I definitely felt like this past ten days, the—I would normally work some longer days on the farm. You know, I, I would work until seven or something um, to try and get things done, and I didn't really do that when people were here. So I feel a little bit like the farm is not out of out needs of your hand attention, all, but. It just needs my attention. So I think today and tomorrow I'm going to do a little work out there and try and uh, get things looking a little nicer. But all what in all, what sort of things do you have to do? Most, mostly weeding. It's mostly weeding, really. It's, it's what I've been putting off, and uh, and a lot of um, I guess like what we call flipping beds. You know, I have a lot of beds that are, have been done for a little bit, and I need to rip them out. Um, but I'm in this weird in between period where um, I kind of want to save bed space for early August. The next couple of weeks, I'll start planting fall stuff. So I need open beds to put my next round of kale and cabbage and broccoli and stuff for the fall into. And I'm now in such a narrow window that I can't plant anything before that. So these beds, I need to either just pull a tarp over it and let this, you know, tarp bake them and get the beds ready for when I plant in August. It just feels a little bit like I won't be utilizing everything fully, but I think that's just how it works sometimes is that there's going to have to be a point where beds are not giving you something to eat out of right away. Um, so that's kind of a balance. I'm hoping by the end of next week I can feel like um, the fall stuff is being prepared for and the summer crops are coming on really heavy. So I think it'll be fine. Um, this might just roll. Do you have a mini topic before I just roll into full-on Max Farm no, talk? I got, I got nothing. Okay. Um, so I was just going to say that you know I also – I think I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. Last time we chatted, I was considering we're about to hire somebody. So I've got a part-time employee now. Um, he's just here three days a week. Uh, working the mornings, usually the harvest mornings, but even just having like a second set of hands. Well, this guy I met, week. right? Yeah, you met. Yeah, you met Griffin. Um, yeah. so uh, he's not been Griffin a huge help. No, Griffin. I actually don't know his last name, but I wouldn't <laughs> say it on the podcast. Right. Griffin. Griffin was Clove Farm employee, and um, it's been great to have someone else around and just be able to kind of get a little bit more done. As much as I love to tout how much I can do on my own, um. It's this. You can never really account for a second person who's mm-hmm. pretty competent, and you can you can really move through stuff. So we also had a volunteer, uh, a high schooler who's going to be here for the next two weeks. So she's been also another huge help. She's only been here two days so far, but uh, I think with all that that help next week, I should be able to get get the farm looking looking good, um, which is exciting. And uh, I mean, other than that, like it's just what we talked about last time, which is. Now I'm in a harvest weeding, harvest weeding kind of cycle. Um, but as we've talked about before, the exciting stuff is finally here. So I'm picking okra. I'm picking peppers, um, squash and cucumbers consistently, tomatoes, um, eggplants around the corner, cantaloupes not too far away. Um, so a lot of stuff that people have been looking oh, green beans, like stuff people have been looking for at the market. Um Today I finally, you know, just got back from the market, but I finally had stuff that like people wanted. It felt like, and uh, so today was our best market to date, uh, sales wise. Nice. Um, so I think we did three hundred ninety dollars in sales. Um, and for last time, I think we talked, I was like super stoked about like a three hundred dollar day. So yeah, um, there, I'm sure there is a ceiling to how much we can sell at this market, but I feel like the ceiling will be closer to five hundred. Hopefully, once that I have, people kept asking for things that I had had earlier in the day but had run out of. So. Um, if I can get the quantity there, I feel like, uh, I can, I can have a $500 market, which would be, which would be great. Um, 
So that's been what we've been doing. And we've been balancing that with, I talked about how the, the Nashville Children's Theater, which we've stated is adults putting on shows for children, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not children performing every weekend, is uh, they've been doing a four-weekend uh, stint here performing Charlotte's Web on the farm. Um, and so that's that's a big deal. That's that's 250 people per show. Um one show Friday, two shows Saturday. Do they seem to be into the idea of buying produce? Um, it's such it it varies so much. The first weekend, the first Saturday we sold, it was great. It was like a farmers market. It was like just under three hundred dollars of sales. It was longer. You had to be set up longer for the two shows, but it was like okay, we never had to leave the farm. That was really awesome. Last weekend, it was the exact opposite. We barely sold anything there, which was a bummer. Um, and then right what was now, the, what uh, was, so I know on the first weekend, your neighbor was, um, a snow cone truck. What was your yeah. neighbor last week? Well, let's see. There was snow cone truck first weekend. Next weekend was, uh, just cotton candy. And you'd think like, it's pretty hot out, right? It's like 90 degrees. Like kids aren't going to want cotton candy. It's like so sticky. Of course no, they want, want it. Want they want it so bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the line was, we took some pictures while Joe and Christina were here. The line was like 12 people long for the cotton candy and like no one was buying our organically grown cucumbers, um, which was fair. You know, hard you can't to really snack on the Hard to believe. I know. It's America, man. What's wrong with us? Yeah. And uh, so... That was last week, and then this weekend. I think I think it's double duty. I think we're sandwiched between the two. I think we've got cotton candy and snow cones. I'm afraid of what's. I'm afraid of next weekend. I have no idea what they're going to be giving these. Just money. It might just be giving out money next week. Yeah. Um, Puppies. So, <laughs> so, I think the, today's market is, which is happening right now, is going a little bit better. Um, it's fine. It's just another way to move stuff. Um, it kind of adds to the ambiance of this whole event. If right. there's a that's, you know, our farm, we're showing people, and it's a lot of it's way more networking than it is anything else. It's it's every weekend again, not with the children, but with their parents. Yes, with their parents, with you know, let's say roughly 500 visitors to the farm a weekend, um, who don't see the vegetable operation, but now learn that we do have a vegetable operation. We've added lots of people to our email chain and things like that. Um, one of the big uh, connections we made for a, a lot of restaurants that are in Nashville was a guy that came to the show and talked to us. So. There's there's That's things cool. moving and um, there's definitely some possibilities for for moving stuff to some more restaurants, um, thanks to the market. So, I think next week will be the first big push to contact some of these chefs. Um, it's just intimidating for me to to try and figure out what availability I have for all these chefs and um, just doing it in a way where I don't overextend myself or right. disappoint people with poor quality stuff because. I tell them we have something in quantity and we don't. So it's just a lot less flexible than the farmer's market, you know. So we'll see how it goes. I'll report back. And if we have any restaurant sales next week or even just what, how this even is going to go about uh, logistically occurring. Um, but but we're just rolling with it and trying to figure it out. Um, a lot of those decisions I would really like to – those are the kind of things that I like to do in January where – uh, I figure out a better ordering system for chefs and things like that so that it's not I send 30 emails and I respond to every chef individually and uh, spend half my day doing you know administrative work uh, when I could be out doing stuff in the field. So I think we're going to kind of just like, you know, Jerry rig our way through like how to get this email list out there and just figure it out mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. And then in January and February and through those winter months, I can sit down and, and come up with a better system. Um, cause that is a little bit the one thing this season's kind of felt like is I plopped down here in February and then I feel like I've kind of just been running down a steep hill and <laughs> like right. I just keep throwing my, throwing my legs out in front of me and I'm like, you know, now we have chefs that want to buy some of our stuff, which is awesome. And we have people wanting to bring student groups to the farm, which is cool. And we have a lot of stuff. People want to be doing orders instead of texts and we want to be able to like have a better website and all these different things. And they're all great ideas. It's just like july and 98 degree 98 degree heat and trying to get things in the ground and weeded and planted and staying on top of the pests it's just like not the time to sit down and go like let's redesign our website um you've got your plate pretty full yeah and so i'm just trying to to essentially push that off as long as possible until in the winter i can give it my actual full attention and just do it right so that next season um maybe the hill will feel a little less steep and i can (laughs) There'll be some plateaus in there to catch my breath, and I don't feel like you know I can feel like I've done the groundwork to make it easier on myself. Right. Um, 
so that's kind of where I'm at currently. But I mean, this is how the heat. This is how the middle of summer goes on a farm. I mean, uh, the things that like this weather are growing like crazy. You could pick cherry tomatoes and okra every single day here. Um, but at the same time, that means that the weeds are growing uh, incredibly quick, and the bugs are just are just loving it too. I'm picking off hornworms by the bucket, Sam. Ugh. Not really, but, but I, mean, I saw I I saw some pretty big hornworms when I was there for a day. I think you uh, did you handle it well. I can't remember. I feel like uh, I did not touch any. I pointed at yeah. one for you. That's right. That's right. And it was which was very helpful. Uh, <laughs> yep. But I think I've been I've probably been pulling off since the plants. I started noting, noticing them on the plants maybe two weeks ago. I probably pulled off somewhere between one and two hundred. So progress is being made. They seem to be slowing down, but yeah, it's it's a gross, it's a daily, it's a nightly occurrence. Usually around uh, dusk, I'll walk through there and look for them and and do my do my hunting for hornworms. Which, and you just drop them on the ground and then step on them, and they make a horrible squishing sensation. They do because they're essentially just tube socks full of tomato plant. <laughs> <laughs> so. If I'm if I'm if I'm really on my game, I'll bring a jar or a little thing in there and fill it up. And then the chickens, man, they love them. They love yeah. those guys. So um, if I'm if I'm feeling nice to the chickens, I'll fill up a, a little thing of hornworms for them. You know, like a good like a good chicken owner does. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I don't think anything too too crazy exciting. Um, just trying to figure out fall now really is what we're at. So uh, getting stuff in the ground to to prep for fall. But mm-hmm. I will say that the the things that have been in the ground a long time, you know, I talked a lot about how we planted a lot of winter squash and things like that. They're all looking amazing. Uh, I'm hoping that they, they stay as nice as they currently look. Sweet potatoes uh, still look good? They do. Yeah, the sweet potatoes look great. Cantaloupe? They back. Awesome. Cantaloupe, there's a ton. I think there's a ton of it out there. It's kind of hidden. But there are definitely some out there that are full cantaloupe size now. I'm just got to wait for them to finish ripening. I think, depending on when you come, cantaloupe might be in towards the tail end, but in season still at that point. So... I vaguely um, we'll remember an earlier episode where you said harvesting cantaloupe sucks. Um, it's just heavy. It's just yeah. you, you hate harvesting heavy things. Cantaloupe you're is better than, you're basically harvesting bowling balls. Yes, dense, <laughs> dense bowling balls. The one thing I will say about um, watermelon is the is the worst of those uh, two sure. options because uh, there's different tests to find out when different things are fruit is ready. Cantaloupe is just a slip test. If you pull, you can kind of look at it and see it has the tan skin, but you can kind of pull on it, and if the stem just slips right out of the top, it's ready. It's ripe. It doesn't hold <laughs> Good on. Good thing it's not the opposite. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> if it slips right off, it's too soon. Yeah. Right? Just, yeah. Um, so you so you kind of give it a gentle tug, and if it's not coming, you just leave it. But if it slips right off, it's kind of ready, and that's like the slip test. Pretty easy. There's some other stuff. But watermelons, man, it is the classic farmer's almanac. Like, well, what I do is I thump on it three times and I listen for the perfect pitch and I want it to sound hollow but not too hollow. Or, you know, there's there's little things you can do to identify uh, what you think is a ripe watermelon. But it's really a shot in the dark and you get better at it with time. But it's such a big investment. And here's the thing. Unlike a tomato, watermelon does not ripen off the vine. So if you just pulled off an eight-pound uh, watermelon thinking like, all right, it's ready. And then you cut it open and it's like pure white and like a light pink inside. You just wasted a crop that took 60, 70 days to grow. Ugh. And it could be sold for, you know, a decent chunk of change to have an organic watermelon. So they're very frustrating. Um, usually you get a good feel of it as you get going, but just the start of the season, like the official first watermelon can be really hard to identify. So I decided not even to do that and just, and just double down and, and do cantaloupe. Um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that there's a lot in there, um, but they've been really low effort. I planted them, weeded them one time, and and that's been it. So nice. I'm pretty excited about it, really, all in all. But I could probably talk forever about farm stuff, but that's that is the gist. Well, of it. I mean, you're the only one currently farm. working, so this podcast is about to become just mostly Max. I think mostly mostly farm. Yeah, mostly right. farm uh, all the time. Well, so what are the fall things that you'll be planting? So yeah, this past week we started uh, in the greenhouse starting these plants um, because for context, you want to get these plants in usually by early August, even though it's still very hot down here in August, um, frost still can come early. So you need to give them enough time to mature. So broccoli and everything needs to go in like early August, which means you need to start things usually a month in advance in the greenhouse. So that's about right about now. So um, 
this week we started um, like fresh cabbage, storage cabbage, broccoli, um, kohlrabi, fennel, napa cabbage. Um, I'll have some beets uh, that I'm going to transplant. Um, then we'll do a direct seeded for all the the weird radishes and stuff. We'll do like purple top turnips. We'll do watermelon radishes, black radishes, daikon radish, rutabaga. Um, all those things will get direct seeded uh, in early August, just right into the field. Um, there's probably some other things I'm missing that we started in there, but those kind of crops are, are all um, just beginning. And so for the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing a lot of greenhouse work to kind of get those started. And yeah, depending on when you come, we might be transplanting a lot of this stuff still. We'll see. Um, nice. It might be more like mid-August when I plant all this. But so, yeah, it's a weird little, a little flux time where I'm still trying to harvest some stuff that was still kind of spring, early summer, like beets and some of these early heads of lettuce that are not happy right now in this heat and transitioning fully into stuff that is just absolutely thriving in the heat. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the struggle. And it's the other thing was like, I didn't really, I didn't do a lot of fall planning. I did all my summer planning and then like jumped into it thinking like sometime in the summer, I'll sit down and do all my fall planning. Um, and I did finally make time for it, but it was the kind of thing where I, I put it off for a long time. Um, so things might go on the ground late, which has been my theme for the year, but you know, what are you going to do? Exactly. What are you going to do? So you, you've mentioned a couple of times that at some point I'm going to come and do some work with you. Here's a, mm-hmm. I know you, I, we didn't talk about this as a topic, so maybe it requires more pre-thought than I'm thinking. What advice do you have for me as someone who's going to come work on your farm uh, for a week or so in probably August? Let's see, advice. I mean, just uh, embrace feeling disgusting. Like that is going to be, what you think, yes. It's pretty easy for you. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about this. Um, no, really. Like, I think a lot of people get out there and like, I now pretty much work in like running shorts, no shirt. Cause it's a 95 degrees, you know, it's a hundred percent humidity. It's just thick out there. Like you can't be worried about like sweating and feeling disgusting. You just kind of like, I just get out there. I'm like, all right, this is, I'm going to be gross from now until three o'clock and I'll just get things done. I'll hose off, I'll swim, then I'll shower and I'll be fine. Cause that really is like, it's funny when people come out there just like. You can tell they're really uncomfortable with the way <laughs> their like body how, how they feel. Yeah, I'm sweaty. I'm dirty. I keep wanting they keep wanting to wash their hands and stuff. It's just like that is genuinely half half the battle. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Other than question that, for you, I just bought yeah. some new running shoes, so I have my old ones. Can I just wear those, or do I need to buy some of your cool chacos? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, no, you can wear running shoes. I farm in sandals, but. A lot of people don't like doing that because they don't like the feeling of dirt dirt between their toes and whatnot. But I hate the feeling of sweaty feet, so I opt for sandals. Um, but no, you're fine. And a lot of clothes that you don't mind just absolutely getting gross and dirty. Right. Um, some some dirty dirty shirts and shorts and whatnot. And uh, I think generally the work itself will not be uh, overly demanding. I think people always think I'm like we're gonna be doing crazy stuff out there, but I mean half the we're time not exactly we're, we're not gonna be like deadlifting and like you know doing chest presses and stuff. No, and like and we've already done I've already done a lot of the you know raising the pathways and stuff is kind of a demanding job, right. but the most demanding thing we'll be doing is just being out in the heat and spreading and and carrying buckets of compost and things like that. So no, it's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. I'm actually, I'm interested interested to hear your final thoughts after you've put the time in. Yeah. Um, what you felt uh, what you felt like it was you know how um crab fishermen when a, they have a green horn like going out on mm-hmm. their first one they like make them like eat the head yeah. of a fish or something yeah um, is there something like that i'll have to do Ooh, you could become a green horn worm you want to eat a worm no maybe I could, like <laughs> can i just like you know chomp the head off of a cucumber i guess sure <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that's pretty mild huh can we at least do something kind of spicy can we do a hot pepper Oh, I will happily do. It. I love spicy stuff. Okay, well, we'll do like we'll do like a habanero. Okay, or maybe <laughs> or I have to like maybe I have to like pet Flossie's head. That could be good. It's, I've only done that like once or twice. <laughs> there were these golden moments where I, I Flossie's guard was down or something. I was distracted and I did a little. A little I, I pet his chest as well a little bit. Wow. Um, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll make you go in there and collect the eggs one day. You know, I can do that. Make you hold your own. Kick a rooster. Scare piece, off Flossie. Piece of cake. You gotta do. Piece of cake. No problem. I'll get a video for everyone who's wondering yep. what this will look like when Sam goes in into the the battle dome with Flossie. <laughs> Twenty four <Right>. enter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so we're talking about your visit and stuff, Sam. And I know you've we mm-hmm. we've teased all types of stuff, and then we just stopped recording because life. 
Um, but you are amidst a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. You are sabbatical, Sam. I mm-hmm. hope you've been calling yourself that. Uh, yeah, and I've been uh, also, thanks to Emily, I'm calling it my radical sabbatical. Oh, nice. That's cool. <laughs> Sam's radical sabbatical. Yeah. I like that a lot. You should get, you should get a shirt made. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like a camp or something, yeah. So it started officially at the end of your retreat, which I don't think we talked about the retreat on the podcast yet. Anything worth noting? Um, you were finishing up your journalist or your journalism kind of thing, um, right. writing about uh, different things within the ready. Did you finish all those? No, I did okay. not. <laughs> I finished. I finished completely out the door. One, I had another one turned into a much larger project than I had originally anticipated, involving like clients actually or a client executive being very involved in like writing stuff and wrangling her became a much bigger thing than I had anticipated. But that one was like, I had a rough draft done basically. And then I had another rough draft done. And then another one that we decided once I started trying to work on it, that it was actually going to require much more involvement from the project team than they were willing to invest. Um, So I, I bailed on that one. Gotcha. So I mostly did a bad job. <laughs> well, that happens sometimes. It does it does? Uh, I worked a shit ton on them. Uh, it was not for lack of yeah. trying, but I think I kind of misjudged. Just the idea, the basic idea, I think was okay. But the main thing that I learned is that it's really hard to write about other people's projects. And because I was conceptualizing these as kind of like, I'll interview the project team once, and then that will give me enough to write a decent article about it. That hypothesis was not borne out. It requires yeah. more. And the stuff, the two of the pro or two of the articles that I was actually involved in the work that I was writing about were obviously much easier to write. And one of those two is the one that I actually published. Um, and then that other one is probably the furthest along rough draft uh, as well. Gotcha. Well, if yeah. it's any consolation, I sometimes put a lot of work into a bed just to have it entirely fail. Uh, that has happened multiple <laughs> times this year. So, so basically the it same goes, thing. It, yeah, it goes. It definitely it, – I mean, it's like and, – and for me, it's just like, well, that's fine. It was wasted time, a little bit of wasted seed, and worst-case scenario, um, for me, it's like that's organic matter back in the soil. I'll just let it die, and <laughs> and it'll go back to the earth. In your case, you know, you still did some good writing. You still did some work. You probably worked with your coworkers more than you normally do those, and that, on these and projects. That, and those ideas will just die and go back into our earth. Yeah. Of our company. Exactly. <laughs> We're not so different, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, um, so, other than that, no, the retreat, I mean, the retreat was good. I was in Tennessee. I think I mentioned we kind of did like regional meetups. So there, yep. A group met up in New York. Three of us met in Tennessee. Um, I think that might have actually been it as far as where people met up and a bunch of people stayed at home. And we therefore, for the, like, the actual four hours a day for that week, we did it completely virtually as we have the last couple of retreats, yeah. uh, which was fine. And it, I think it went well. We have these kind of we have the basic structure of these retreats pretty much figured out. Um, it was w- a little bit weird because. I'm obviously not around for this trimester, so all of the work we did around deciding what initiatives to take on and like who was going to work on them, I I didn't want to put forth anything because I wasn't going to be around to actually do it. So I was playing more of a kind of supporting role than I would like in a typical retreat where I would in a typical retreat I'd have ideas that I would want to champion and potentially lead as an initiative steward, um, but this time I obviously did not. Gotcha. I feel like you had mentioned when you were here, maybe not, but there was a, like one of the initiatives was pretty cool. We talked about one of the initiatives for a little while. I can't remember which one it was, but are any of them really stand out to you as um, big things that would be all that interesting to anyone that's outside this podcast, or are they mostly kind of internal, uh, the ready types of moves happening? Give me one second to open up the initiative board, and I can tell you. Okay. Um... I mean, yeah, there's a couple of interesting ideas here. One is we're going to, like, we think there's a potential um, service that we could be providing to organizations, which is basically hosting retreats for them. A lot of these organizations are either going to go to a hybrid working model or are going to stay completely remote. 
and they're going to want to bring people together on a regular cadence, kind of the way we do. So we're thinking that mm. we could potentially be the hosts for those sorts of retreats, like in cool locations, right, and yeah. really just give some give give organizations who aren't used to holding these um, in person retreats uh, something that we we could do that for them. So we have an initiative to like explore that. We have I'm trying to see what else here that is somewhat interesting. Um, a couple of internal things related to what we call like a pattern library or like essentially we have are really feeling uh, the fact that each of our project teams are pretty siloed and we don't do a great job of learning from each other. So what can we do to experiment with inter-team innovation and experimentation? Um, so a couple people are going to work on that. And then oh, the one that I'm most excited about, which I don't think actually got funded this time around, is that, you know, one of the things we would love to do as an organization is buy businesses and then transform oh, them yeah. according to our principles. Yes. Um, yep. And we obviously don't have, you know, enough capital to just do that on our own, or at least not to buy any sort of large organization. However, there are lots of small businesses that are that put them up for themselves for sale all the time that are totally within our ability to buy them. So I think I don't think it's going to happen this time around because nobody really had and this is probably what I would have worked on if I had had time, or if I had been around and not on sabbatical. But at some point, maybe at our next uh, retreat, we're going to explore what it would be like to buy a small business and like actually make it become employee owned and transform it um, uh, according to our our principles, which is really cool. And we're talking about things like, you know, like an ice cream shop or mm -hmm. things like that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see if you guys if you guys take that that path at some point. Yeah, um, I, I also I told them yeah. I'd do a little bit of uh, field research for any uh, any ice cream shops or donut shops that we're thinking about buying. That's smart. You always want to get in there first and see what you're working with. Well, I just want to make sure we really understand the the uh, the product. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Definitely. And I feel like you know you've got the you've got the palate for that. Totally. Finally, finally. I think you should be doing probably a pizza shop. I feel like if you're going to be doing anything, I feel like your uh, expertise lies in uh, pizza. I think I am multi-talented and could do both. <laughs> I think I just gave you a hell of a compliment. Thank you. I just That's said true. That. <laughs> That's true. You said I know pizza. Well, I, 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 I couldn't tell if it was a compliment or you're just calling me a fat ass. No, no. I just know you have a love of pizza. You know, you in in New York, wherever you've been, you've always been a you know one. I always, I always scope out the pizza situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you get to a new place. What's what's Sam doing? He's looking for where's, where's the pizza? What's the pizza situation? Yep. You always have to ask yourself when you're in a new situation, what is the pizza situation? <laughs> exactly. How how close am I at all times to a good pizza shop? And not even that. It's just like which one is the best according to my yeah. personal preferences. Oh yeah, if you're in that situation where you have multiple choices, it's yeah. yeah then you now you got to figure out where where what's worth your time and effort yeah. and money. Exactly. And really, your palate, you know, yeah. what's worth what's worth putting in your mouth. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> I get it. No, I'm on board. Um, all right. Well, I have no idea even how long we've been running, but um, I forgot. Forty-five-ish minutes. Okay, I was gonna ask um, what. So you're on sabbatical. It started yeah. with the retreat. So you came and saw me. And then you flew home. Yep. What uh, what's Sam's sabbatical been like since two weeks? Two weeks in, right? Yeah, so I'm just I'm wrapping up my second week right now. Uh, it has been good, and it, there's been I mean basically, you know, there are a couple of things that I do every day or I try to. Um, you know, I go for a walk four miles every day. I read a lot. I play a little bit of starcraft usually uh and then you know i'm in charge of making meals for for me and emily so i'll take care of that uh, but other than that i haven't like i've been deliberately not trying to feel like i need to sit down and do a bunch of work or do any writing i do think there will be a time in the sabbatical where i shift my focus pretty drastically to some really focused work but for at least the first month, I am trying to not do that and trying to just make as much space as possible, um, which I know sounds very uh, hoity-toity and very privileged, uh, but I'm just leaning into that for, for now. 
And um, yeah, I think some days are better than others in terms of what my brain is telling myself in terms of what mm -hmm. I should be doing or whether or not I'm using my time correctly or, or well. But I think part of, part of my sabbatical is leaning into that discomfort and trying to unravel some of those stories that I tell myself about you know, being productive and, and always having a thing that I'm, that I'm working on and just seeing um, what comes up if I don't uh, have that or do those things. Gotcha. I was going to ask, so cause I feel like you mentioned part of the, the thing when you got it passed within the ready was that you kind of had to pitch a little bit of how how this was good for that. That sounds bad to say how it was good for the company, but like yeah. what you're going to do that is going to during this sabbatical, what, what was your edge that you took when you presented it for yourself? Like what yeah. was, uh, I'm not saying that you're not currently doing it, but sure. I was just wondering how you, how well, you worded it. When actually you said, you know. through the process. So the original draft of the proposal that I had written and shared with my colleagues did have some kind of more specific language about making mm -hmm. sure that you are doing something in service of the ready's purpose um, and basically kind of being able to just have an answer to, to, to that idea. Um, and through the process of getting consent on this proposal, I got feedback that people actually would prefer to have that language removed and make it much more um, less, much less explicit about how people are supposed to use the time. So now all it says is that members are expected to be intentional about how they use their sabbatical. There's no, okay. I'm not, I'm not on the hook to deliver some sort of product or give some sort of big presentation. The only ask is to to be intentional, um, and I think that is deliberately vague. And I'm, I think I'm doing that right now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, gotcha. Uh, the one other thing I was gonna ask is this: I wonder if this affects you. Do you? I feel like if I was having this this sabbatical, it's four months long that I had earned over five years within this company. Um, I would feel some weird pressure to, <laughs> like, I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm already two weeks in. Like, what? Now I'd look back, like, <laughs> what did you do with these two weeks? Yeah. Like, you are. I know you're purposely spending this first month, kind of, kind of purposely mm -hmm. taking a step back. But is there that underlying level of pressure to like? you know, you need to have some type of product by the end for yourself to be like, I used my yeah. five year time build up for a sabbatical and I did this. Yeah, there's thing. definitely, there's definitely, I definitely feel that. Um, and, you know, I think part of it is that I have, I have kind of upfront made the decision that, you know, for the first month, I'm going to not give in to that feeling, but afterward, you know, I, I in kind of intend to, and I'm hoping that yeah. that initial month of spaciousness will allow me to be really smart about what I do invest my time in. Um, and I think that feeling, I think I'm still early enough in it that, you know, oh, okay, I've done two weeks. I've got what, like 14 more to go. So it feels like it's, oh, I've got forever, but I think it will it'll only be a couple more weeks before I'm like, oh man, I'm halfway through this. Like, oh God, mm -hmm. I'm three quarters of the way through this. Um, which I maybe I'll be singing a different tune at that point. Yeah, but that's kind of expected. I feel like I don't know how a person would not feel that, but maybe that's yeah. just how you. I mean, because it is such an incredible <laughs> opportunity, you don't want to like waste it. But then also, I mean, this is where we get a glimpse into my brain. Yeah, you don't want to waste it, but also like not doing stuff and and restoring your uh, just you know, your physical and emotional and psychological well-being is also like not wasting it, but it's also not making a thing. It's all very, um, there's a lot of uh, feelings all wrapped up in that. Gotcha. So any other, any other uh, big, anything else you've done in these two weeks? Any, uh, mm, any new tonight, hobbies? Tonight I am going to my first salsa lesson. Ooh. Not Is your first dance going to be salsa? Yeah, well, that'd be great too. And I guess Man. technically, this is my second salsa lesson in California. Many years ago, we did one lesson, but we've bought a chunk of I think ten lessons over the next year or so. Um, because at our wedding next May, uh, our first dance is going to be salsa. So I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing. That's fun. Do you feel like you uh, you still got some uh, some moves from that one lesson you took uh, two years, oh, three, absolutely five not. years? Absolutely not. It's going to be a catastrophe. <laughs> You should probably start stretching now, right? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Get a little limber. 
I've seen some salsa dancing, and I don't know if your hips are ready for it. <laughs> That's a good point. I got very stiff hips. Yeah, I'm oh, just well, I'm just a little worried. I feel like Emily is gonna be is gonna be salsa and the it. crap out of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I feel like she strikes me as the person that's maybe gone salsa dancing oh, many, many times. times, many many yes. times. Yeah, so she's uh, gonna be very bored at this beginner's lesson, but uh, she's being a good sport about it. That's good. It's probably the only way that she can get you to go. Yes. <laughs> but true. you're not doing a balance, making her do something that maybe she wouldn't love to do as much. What's something you? What's a skill that you have? I mean. We play video games together sometimes, like uh, Overcooked, true. as we mentioned. Um, so I, you know, she she is a she she's down to like play or do anything. So I really can't hold anything over her head on this. Like I I at the very least owe her a good faith effort on learning to salsa. Gotcha. What about golf? Does she like golfing? She ha- I mean, she has clubs. She has gone golfing. Um, we have not. She has not done a lesson yet, but she is also like strangely good at it for not having had any <laughs> lessons uh so yeah we intend to do some um actually that's probably the closest analog we are going to do like some couples uh golf lessons nice i was yeah. i'm sure people are clamoring saying we haven't talked about your golf game in a while are you uh are you still <laughs> golfing or have you, have you lost it all no i'm golfing a couple of times like, oh, i mean okay. i am not any better yet uh, let's just put it that way worse would you say you're aggressive? the last time it went out i was the worst i've ever played uh it was also like 98 degrees and it was just terrible uh the time before that was a little bit better than i normally do so I'm, it's there's a it's hard to, it's hard to say what my overall trajectory is at this point yeah well yeah that's right i hit those i get those couples lessons in yeah i'll teach exactly. i'll teach you how to swing or something like that all right, dude. My office is absolutely broiling, so we got to wrap it here. My my palms are sweating. Uh oh. All right, Eminem, keep going. <laughs> Mom spaghetti. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. That's enough. Um, yeah, no, I'm the same way. I turn my air conditioning off, and it's I think a heat index of well, let's play this game. We're gonna finish it off with old people talk. Welcome to what's the weather? My little thermometer it's- in my apartment is saying it's 81.1 degrees with a 41 percent humidity. Yeah, I've got a I've got a 87 feels like 93 with I'm pretty sure a 92%. No, we're at we're sitting at a comfortable 60% humidity. Inside. I'm just um No, it's all that's outside. Oh, okay. I have no idea what the inside of my place is like. Gotcha. I just do that by feel. But right. I'm sweating, so it's hot. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, uh maybe we'll do this again um you know, not a month later. Yeah. Well, we're trying to get we'll try and get back on the horse here. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Later. See you, man.